this has the, the opportunity for the greatest turnaround in college football exists here today, and it's not one to be taken lightly. will field it at the 5 to the 10, pass the numbers to the 20, 25, look out, 30. He's at the 40, to the midfield strike, to the 40, down the far sideline, 10, 5, to the house, Wildcat touchdown for Tremaine Thompson. Welcome to Bring on the Podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali. to another episode of Bring Out the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT is here with me to JT. JT, how you doing? I'm doing right, Luke. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And our guest today is with K-State Online, Managing Editor Matt Hall. Matt, how are you? Good, man. It's, it's great to be on with you guys, and I appreciate the chance to do it. Oh, definitely. I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, I, I got to say, and, and Matt didn't pay me to say this, but, you know, some great work going on over there. And really, if you haven't try it out the, the free trial that they got going on and you're missing out no reason not to do that honestly that i could think of i appreciate you saying that thank you and i was thinking like why the oklahoma game as your as your endpoint for that <laughs> <What was that? laughs> I, I, you know what that's a really funny question because uh rivals has a guy who helps us with these promotions and he's really nice and he's done a great mm-hmm. job and he picked that date and to be quite blunt about it i'm the same as you i think what a what a random date to cut that promotion <laughs> off uh, i think october 28th so i don't have a great a great answer to that question but i think it's i think it's cool you asked because every time i look at it i think man that oklahoma thing just seems awkward so it was just the date they picked and uh, it is pretty funny yeah yeah hopefully that's not like the date that interest starts waning uh, right <laughs> yeah but, uh, but anyway so these podcasts you know we normally talk to to uh, somebody from the opposing team and talk about them a little bit. Obviously, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. South Dakota. You know, they are a decent FCS team. Uh, they won a playoff game last year against Nichols, which is a team that's going to beat KU on Saturday. Right. Uh, but, you know, can you just give us a, a real quick down and dirty scouting report on South Dakota? No, you, you know, they're, they're a good FCS team. Um, like you said, they did win at Bowling Green last year. You know, a really low-level FBS team, but still an FBS team. They had... <laughs> A quarterback who at their level is one of the best in the country last year, who they lost, and uh, replacing him will be a big a big task for them. They averaged around 500 yards offense and were really good last year on that side of the ball, but I do think they'll be a notch lower. This might be a better team than K-State plays you know, as an FBS team in week three or four against right. UTSA, so I think they could be better than them. But yeah, I, I think this is a game that if K-State – struggles in it'd be a bad sign because this is a you know this isn't north dakota state this is a good team but it's not an elite fcs team who should be giving you trouble yeah okay and so the big news that came out this week was the the depth chart let's just go through that a little bit we'll, we'll start where everybody's talking about i guess quarterback um you know tech, of course it's an or on there you know i think most of the offseason people were generally thinking it's going to be alex delton getting the start but you're you're pretty confident now that skylar thompson's going to be the guy yeah, you've nailed it. I, and we were that, in that same crowd, too. I think the entire offseason, or at least most of it, we ex- 
uh, excuse me, Alex Delton to be the guy. It was probably two weeks ago where we started to get a sense that it might be Skyler. Sunday, we were, I think it was this past Sunday, we'd be quite honest, we were more or less told that he is the starter. So, like you've noticed, there is an or on the depth chart. But typically, in, in K-State history, when you see an or, it's the guy listed first as the starter. Something could, of course, change, as you know, as well as I do. They're both they're both going to play and it'll remain a battle. I'm pretty confident that Skyler Thompson, with his play and practice the last couple of weeks of camp, at least for now, has earned the first crack at this. Okay. That leads into something that Snyder said then in his, his press conference, you know, that Talked about like they were pretty sure they had they had their guy, and then oh, maybe Alex just did something in practice that Tuesday morning or Wednesday night or right. Monday. They're they like, hey, no, I'm still here, coach. So I I still think we're going to see quarterback by committee first game, but Skyler maybe the first guy we see on the field. Absolutely, yeah. I think he's again things can change. You never you never know, of course, what Coach Snyder says, but I, I think you're I think you're right. He's Skyler should get the is likely to get the first shot, but it'd be shocking if both didn't get a real opportunity, uh, you know, right off the bat, and then if both didn't know the season. Yeah, and hopefully we see some Hunter Hall by the fourth quarter, too. <laughs> you know, that'd be a, a sign that things are going well. But I guess the kind of the question that brings up, and we talked about this on our last podcast with, with Nick Recchi, is if you're going with Skyler, does that show some more confidence in this receiving core? Because presumably he's going to be the better passer. That's a, a fantastic question. It's something we've argued about, you know, kind of playfully as a staff. Are you going with Skyler because you think your receivers are, are a little underrated and you can take advantage of them with Skyler Thompson as a thrower? And I think I think most people look at it that way, and it's probably right. I may be a little different where I've kind of said all along, if you think your receivers are an issue, you need a quarterback who can perhaps throw them open or create openings for them, not a guy who has to wait for them to come open. I, and I think Skyler's a guy that they've able to do that where Alex Delt might wait uh, until he's a little more certain a guy is open to throw the football. So I think it doesn't make you guys wrong. I, and again, I think the vast majority of people probably look at it the same way. Well, this maybe this, maybe this is a sign that they think more highly of the receivers. I, I've wondered if it's not a way for them to have a chance to be more diverse. Although uh, I don't think there's not a giant gap as you know, in the passing game between Alex Delton and Skylar Thompson, but mm-hmm. there is one. And my take on it is maybe a chance to be more diverse, but it may just be what you guys have said is that they have receivers. They think that Skyler uh, Thompson can take advantage of. Yeah. It's certainly not as big as say the gap between Jake Waters and Daniel Sams. Absolutely. Right. So. Absolutely. Right. I like to have that diversity in his offense. I think you get Skyler back there and it allows Alex Barnes to be a more prolific runner to be, to carry more of that load. You get opportunities for Dalvin Warmack in the, in the slot and, doing those little screen passes. I think Skyler's arm allows some more of those things. You know, if he can stretch the field vertically, then that opens things up for Alex. Yeah, Alex Barnes. So, But if Delton's in there, you know, maybe he can't quite push it the same way. But he can get, you know, five yards at a time running the ball. Right. So, it's, you know, maybe where you see the difference. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, push this too far. But, you know, talking depth chart, you mentioned Dalvin Warmack. I think him being a two – is a bit of a sign of what you've talked about in their interest in being, I don't know if more aggressive is the right term, but more willing to use the passing game and use the running backs. Nick Linners being at tight end over, over Blaze Gammon, all those things. Talk about what you just kind of hinted at. I think they do have a lot of respect for Alex Barnes and, and think highly of him, and they may be trying to find a way to get him a chance to have running bikes with a duty to out of the box through personnel formation and may give him a chance to be better as just a traditional back in a, in a more regular running game. Mm-hmm. And sticking with the backfield, I think some of the people on our blog were a little surprised that Sella didn't make it in the 2D. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is surprising in the sense that he's a scholarship fullback, a guy they went out and, and liked and got from Butler College. He, he is dinged up. I, I mean, but it, I know he has an issue, but it's not serious. He probably could play. It's probably cost him some practice time. And to be quite honest, I don't get the sense that he would have been the starter anyway. And that's a surprise mm-hmm. to me because I think they went and got him to do that. So I think people are right to be surprised. But I do think Adam Harder is a guy who he played well in the spring game. Of course, he's a walk-on. And every year there's there's four or five guys who play well as a walk-on in the spring game. But I do think he's pretty capable. I do think he's not just a spring game you know hero and will be a good fullback for them, but I'm with you guys and the people on the blog too. I, I would have guessed, you know, Soa coming into this would have won this job and, and that hasn't happened. Yeah. And uh, so speaking of injuries, you, you guys have talked about Mike McCoy and you, you seem to think there's something pretty serious there. Yeah. And I, you know, we'd love to be wrong, you know, on this <laughs> Bill Snyder, when asked about him, just talked about him like he's a guy who's dinged up and, and may not play. In total honesty, I think it's out there enough now that I probably could say it. I, I think the thought is he's probably done playing football. Mm-hmm. I hope that's not the case. I hope he finds somebody who tells him, you know, that, hey, they found something good and he's good to go because he's an, a, a, a good kid who I enjoy talking to. He's an exciting player to watch. I think, man, I don't know about you guys, but there may not have been a guy on the offense I've been more excited to see this year. So, again, I hope it ends up being wrong. But I, I think the outlook is, is rough for him. Yeah. Has anybody heard – what that injury is all i keep saying is that he's injured but right I, does anybody even have like a hint of what that injury might actually be yeah i mean i'm not i don't want to be the annoying oh, i know i'm not gonna say guy we've just avoided talking specifics we we know exactly what it is i mean i'll just eliminate some of the things people people speculated it. it's not concussions it's not knees or legs or that kind of stuff it's just a, a, a you know and you guys probably get it again i'm not trying to be difficult and hold back but in this instance right. he, in the instance he does here's here's the issue here's this um, hit him. exactly yeah that's more of what i was getting at like it is known what it is it's not just like this mysterious right. injury that you know snyder has players that have mysterious injuries nobody knows sure. no this is one and they've kept it covered up pretty well you know i mean it's it's certainly not out there to a huge extent but there's some yeah there's some people who know it and and it's just a deal that, um, you know, he's, he's probably, and I'm being so so cryptic, I hate it, but he's probably had it his whole life or dealt with it his whole life. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's you know, just popped up recently. And and hopefully, you know, something can happen and get back on the field because he would be a fun player to watch. Right. Yeah, yeah it's too bad. Um, and then the other injury that I think has been mentioned was Elijah Sullivan. You seem to think that one is, is not that serious. And yeah, you know, I'll be totally honest. When we were first told of it, maybe – Right at the start of the camp, we were told he's out for the season. And we thought that would have been, I mean, a, a tremendous hit, you know, to K-State, to their roster. They have such little depth at linebacker right now that um, that have been bad. But uh, it sounds, you know, with him that it was something that was – they didn't they didn't miss, miss diagnose the injury, but it wasn't as serious as they thought to the point that Bill Snyder – you know, and again, take it with a grain of salt. He told us every week last year that Jesse Ertz was that he thinks he could play Saturday. Uh, that I'd be surprised if he's out there Saturday, but not shocked. At one point, we heard Mississippi State or West Virginia. So I guess no matter what it is, if he's really that close to playing, that's just a huge bullet dodged for them because I think he's going to be a good player and somebody they really need in that linebacker unit. Yeah, yeah. And certainly, if there's any risk, I'm not sure Snyder wouldn't put him out there this Saturday. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I guess you know, sticking with the defense. Some, kind of some of the defensive backs were, were some of the unknowns coming in. So now we know A.J. Parker is going to be playing as a sophomore. Walter Neal over Jonathan Durham, you know, and any surprises for you there? Or you think that's pretty fluid? No, I, I think it's what we expected. 
both of them both. Parker was a guy I liked. I liked last. Probably more athletic corner than Machine at K State for a little while. Doesn't mean he's better than these guys. He's not better than the Duke Shell or DJ Reed yet. But um, I really like him. And Walter Neal was a guy that you know our recruiting guy Derek Young was over real, was all over really early and really liking him as a kind of a physical nickel back type who can come up and hit you. Um, I think both those guys solidly won those jobs. Uh, so I think, you know, your starting unit with Shelley and Parker on the corners, Neil at the nickel, and then Goolsby and, and Adams at the safety. That's a pretty good group of five. The questions are probably behind them. But I think that unit's pretty set with that group, and, and it's probably the strength of the defense. Okay. And so where, where would you say the weakness is then if that's the strength? I, I think Patton's going to be a really good player. Um, they've said nothing but good things about him really since the spring, and, and Bill Snyder does nothing but praise that kid. Uh, I think he'll be really good. I, I mean, I like Sullivan, too. If Sullivan and Patton stay healthy the whole year and they play a four-two-five or a nickel, it'll probably be fine. It's when they go beyond that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Sam Sizelove, I think, is a good kid and, you know, a good athlete, but he's probably not a difference maker yet twice, you know, on the backup depth chart at two different positions to really show the lack of depth. So if if they stay healthy, they're probably fine. If they If they can't, that unit probably becomes an issue. Okay. And on the line, obviously, they're going to miss Will Gary. You can't replace a guy right. like that. But, you know, what do you think of the guys coming in to, to fill those holes? I, I cut out a little bit. I, I apologize. Oh. But I heard, you know, the defensive line and, and Will Gary. And, yeah. and I start to wonder if – I'm glad you mentioned him because I start to wonder if people aren't underrating or forget he was he was the best part of that defense last year. And, right. and to me, the only guy who really brought any, you know, interior pass rush mm-hmm. on that team, I think – Sean's a good player. I like Joe Davies. I, I don't think there, there's I don't think there's no hope or anything like that. But I'm glad to hear bring him up because I think some people have moved past him pretty fast and think they're just going to replace him. And I think he's a lot harder to replace than, than DJ Reed, for example. Mm-hmm. Real quick, then going back to the kind of just philosophy uh, as far as the running backs, you know, um, we kind of talked about a little with with demo gone, probably not going to see as many fullback carries. So I mean, what what does that mean for the offense as a whole? Yeah, you guys are absolutely right. Again, I don't, you know, the fullback will carry it like a traditional fullback, which is none or a couple times <laughs> this year. They may throw it to Harder a little bit, but probably not on seam routes, you know, or at the end of the half against West Virginia. I think it'll be a, a lot of Alex Barnes. The coin news is really sad. And again, hope, hope we're wrong. Hope he plays yeah. Saturday. But I think it really, you know, with like you guys said, no Winston Demo on a change at coordinator, probably no Mike McCoy. I think Alex Barnes becomes even more of a focal point. And I, I think they really want to be able to use him in a more traditional a traditional style running game. K-State's still going to run the quarterback, you know. But I think talking to some people, they, they felt they had to do that out of necessity last year. They, As good as the offensive line was pass blocking, they, they did struggle to block for the run. If that group's better this year and they can take some guys out of the box, I, I'm a big Alex Barnes guy, man. I think it would shock me to see him get 1,100 yards um, if he gets the amount of carries and is used, you know, appropriately, as you guys kind of even alluded to. Yeah, I mean, how do you think that, that – Carries are going to break down without McCoy. You know, does, does Alex Barnes get 80% of the carries less? I think pretty high. I mean, of course, if you're going to include the quarterbacks, it drops right. the number down. But, yeah. you know, I think, you know, 70, 75 isn't unrealistic, even 80. I mean, I think if he's played well, they're going to they're gonna leave him in the game. Bill mm-hmm. Snyder, I think it was steering the first press conference of the fall here. Somebody asked about running back carries and, Bill Snyder got an interesting tone where he and he came out and said, "Hey, just because we have a bunch of backs doesn't mean have to get extra carries um, or excuse me, equal carries." Mm-hmm. He said, "If one's better, they're going to get them." And, and I never heard him quite use that line. And his tone wasn't angry, but it was definitive. And so it made me realize, oh, Alex Barnes is going to get this. So I mean, you know, 80 percent is possible um, if he's healthy. I think I think guys like Warmack and Sillman will be used more as bit players. And then something we heard, I guess, a lot early in you know fall camp 
but not as much lately. Grant Flanders just walked in. You guys don't want to talk to him. So um, <laughs> he, you know, was using two backs in the backfield, you know, more often, two traditional halfbacks, especially in the passing game. So I think that could be more McCoy, excuse me, Stillman and Warmack's role yeah. than carrying the football. Okay. And I wonder if Bill Snyder's tone that you talk about there, I wonder if that's at all a reflection of some frustration with the play calls last year. Because I know we talked with Nick Lecky, and he was, you know, not the only one upset by it. Like, why aren't we giving it to Barnes when he's got the hot hand and, and doing some of that? Totally right, man. There's And there's so many times where you sit in a press conference and, and he shares that frustration that you guys are talking about. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for Coach Snyder, so I'd never do this. But I, you'd want to say, hey, man, you control that. Yeah. I understand you're not. I understand you're not the coordinator, but you but you could control that. And we we talked to Gene Taylor on Tuesday, and I think it runs on the site tomorrow, well Thursday of, of this week. Mm-hmm. But he was a little more. I, I'm, I'm I'm stumbling here. Because I don't know how to say this to to really admitting and mentioning that you know Bill Snyder's very energized by his new coaching staff, and that there was yeah. some frustration. He didn't come out and say it. You know, he, he talked about the camaraderie and. And how great it is this year. And he said, I'm not saying there wasn't camaraderie last year, but it's, it's a lot different this year. And I think there's sure something to what you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think we're definitely excited about that, that injury or that the new energy. Um, that's something we talked about as well, especially on, on the defensive side. But I had another question for you. So, you know, everybody's writing stories about Blake Lynch this, this week. How tall yeah. is he for real? <laughs> um, I, I five two or five three. I, I, I mean, I this is I, I don't want to disrespect him, and this is so mean to say because I'm sure he hears this all the time. But I remember the first time I saw him, the media's fortunate were allowed to go down to the sideline for the last five six minutes of the game, and I remember walking by him, and I, I didn't know it was a player. Um, and that's ter- that's terrible to say, and um, that kind of stuff. But it's it's amazing how I think five two five three is a legit size. But it was great to hear Bill Snyder talk about him and, and praise him. And you guys probably watched it and heard it too. His his tone was of a happy guy, and and it sounds like this is a kid that you know went and earned the job as opposed to saying, well, our kickers are all kind of average. You know, let's go with Blake Lynch. I think he earned it. And, and my gosh, we were talking on the way back in the press conference. Me and the guys were that if he if he's even average to good, he's going to be the most popular player <laughs> on the team because of the size and that kind of stuff. People will love him if he has a good year for sure. Yeah. Well, oh, Luke familiar with with short kickers who went to high school with a kid that ended up yeah, kicking it to western kentucky eastern kentucky eastern, eastern kentucky. all of yeah. all of five four yeah yeah he was on my soccer team actually he was played soccer all of high school we played together one and year I, I think but and i tell you i don't want, i could be wrong in this but i swear somebody told me that may now kick on their high school team too which would be interesting for me to, i think she played soccer and then maybe she kicks too i have to check oh. into that but hmm. Um, I guess it's in it's in the family a little bit. Yeah, they they both uh, were coached by Anthony Cantelli in Wichita. Okay, I've seen that that, an actual yeah. story about it. Like she may be the better kicker of the two, or or something. Huh. Well, that's, she, that's I didn't know. That's fascinating. The Cantelli thing. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and actually, so the kid who went to my high school, uh, Luke Prey, he was on the Eastern Kentucky team that that came dangerously close to beating K State. Oh, in 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember I, that was. I mean, one of those underrated, scary games. Yeah. You know, of this of this second era of Bill Snyder. I, yeah. I think I was alone. I, I, somebody was kind of like to give me like a club level seat on the east side, and I watched it alone as a fan. And I, you know, if I accepted, it was like five minutes left. Like we might lose. Yeah. You know, and then they hung on. That's a that's a funny game that people don't talk about because 
ended up being a great season. Won, you know, I think 10 games that year. And all could have started with a loss to a FCS Eastern Kentucky team. If I remember right, Luke might have even had a game-time field goal attempt or something in that one. I can't remember for I sure. think he kicked. Yeah. And, I mean, it was 10-7, to 7, so he didn't make any field goals. Right. Yeah. And I think it was 7-3 to 3 until very late in that game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well... Anyway, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, the season as a whole. You know, kind of weird to see the uh, the preseason polls where K-State's sixth, but also got, what, four first-place votes. I, I think that's... Right. Is that sort of a reflection of, well, first of all, how wide open the Big 12 is, but also the big gap between the floor and the ceiling for this team? Very well said, yeah. I, I think this is a team that, you know, I could sit here, and if you told me, Matt, you have to argue that this team's going to go four and eight, I could formulate an argument for it. Or you could tell me that Matt, this team's going to, you know, it's just the same. I think a lot of it is probably because of, of depth again. And most teams can say this, but if K-State stays healthy all year, it's probably an eight or nine, you know, 10 win team. If not, it could be, it could be rough. And then, and then as far as the big 12 being wide open, I think you're, I think you're right. You know, I think, I do think Oklahoma is going to be really, really good. I, I think Kyler Murray is going to surprise people. and He's not Baker, Mayf- Baker Mayfield. He's not close. But I think them having a really dynamic threat running the ball back there with Rodney Anderson will be interesting. I like West Virginia, but, man, their schedule's tough. I, I like TCU, but they have questions at quarterback and on the O-line. I think Texas can be better. But, you know, we've said that for <laughs> my, entire, my entire life, you know. I mean, so you, those four and then add in K-State, those five, None of those would surprise me to play in the Big 12 title game. People be, I'd be surprised anybody beyond that, even Oklahoma State would surprise me. But any of those five, I don't know about you guys, but I would be, um, wouldn't be shocked to see them playing in that title game. Yeah. It's definitely wide open right now. I, I mean, nobody, nobody just stands out head of the pack and screams favorite. Right. Like Oklahoma did last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. All right, well, since we got you on here, you know, I think one thing you guys do really well on your side is uh, recruiting stuff. I'm not super knowledgeable on that, so, you know, if I ask stupid questions, I'm sorry. Maybe JT can help me out. I think he does does more of that. But, you know, I I did a little bit of reading up on on your guys' site. Let's talk about football recruiting first. Just start with, you know, we talked about the the energy. How much does that help on the recruiting side? How much is that helping already? I think it's helped a lot, you know. I mean, uh, and all the credit goes, Derek Young does all the work with that. I'm so for, so fortunate to have him. We really are. But I think they've done a really nice job. They don't have a big class so far. They have six commitments. But I think the difference between this class and, and previous years, and recruiting rankings are incredibly flawed. I'm the first person to admit that. They're, you shouldn't judge, you know, programs based purely off of that. But you go back and look at K-State's last three or four or five classes and look at who they signed and look at the off. They were not winning battles against other, you know, power five teams for the kid they recruited. And again, the K-State's been successful, so I'm not here to necessarily difference this year is all six of their guys. They beat most of them beat a number of power five teams for. So I think they're getting their first targets at the positions. They're not five star kids. They're not top 100 kids. Um, they're not getting offers from Alabama and Texas and Ohio State. But they're winning battles against the Texas Techs and the Oklahoma States and Kansas, Minnesota, Iowa State, those kind of teams. And that's a step in the right direction. I think it's going to be a good class. The ranking won't be high because I think it's going to be a small class. They only have, I think, 12 scholarship seniors right now, K-State. So it's not going to be a a big class, but um, it's going to be good. And, you know, I think 2020 will be the year to really watch what you're – you know, the class of 2020 will be the year to really watch what you're talking about because the state of Kansas is loaded that year, and they've put a lot of work into it, and they feel really good about it. So I think this year's class is going well, but I I think that energy uh, K-State hopes will pay off a year from now. 
that's good. State of Kansas is loaded is not something you hear very often. So hopefully they can take advantage. So just one, one thing that was interesting to me is that it looked like there were a couple of guys who K-State's actually in a battle with Mississippi State. And so with that matchup coming up, you know, could, could that kind of swing decisions maybe? Absolutely. There's a four-star kid, a defensive back. I think it's Gregory Brooks Jr. who's committed to Mississippi State, but he's absolutely listening to K-State. And I think that I think it will matter. You know, a win or a loss won't necessarily be the definition of what they pick, but it would expose you know to players who maybe are outside of this region, like Brooks is, that hey, Kansas State's competitive with these guys. They just beat them or took them close or whatever. It, it will absolutely help Mississippi State. I think the K State should pack SEC program. I think it's great that K State's fighting those battles, and there's absolutely no doubt that beating that team Marshall TV early in the season, I think, will have a, would have a, potentially a good impact in those kind of battles. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, particular positions that they're focusing on with this class, you think? That's a good question. I mean, I, I, I was kind of running through it. Quarterback's done. You know, with Chris Heron, they won't do any more there. Running back has got to be the huge focus. If Mike McCoy's done, Alex Barnes will be the only scholarship running back on the roster next year, and he graduates this spring. So uh, who knows about that? I mean, so he does might... uh, 1,500 yards, and somebody convinces him right. to around draft pick. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so that's the fear there for sure. So it's not out of the realm of possibility they'd have no scholarship backs on the roster next year. So they have to go crazy there. They're probably done at receiver with Velton Gardner and Keenan Garber, although Keenan Garber could play defensive back. They're probably done in the offensive line with Trevor Stang. It's only one kid, but they, they don't lose anybody off there. The numbers are good. Mm-hmm. Defensive tackle, I think they're done with Cooper Beebe. Their only commitment there, but they don't need more. They could go without a defensive end because of the youth they have there. But they probably need to go get some help there. They need to help a linebacker. They need uh, numbers in the defensive backfield, even though they signed a big class of six last year. But um, I think their roster's in pretty good shape. If you really go look at the breakdown of it, they've done a nice job of spreading the classes out. Running back is the only massive need. Linebacker, a little bit of a need. And then you've got, um, I think I think next year, of course, it'll be, that'll be a big class. But I think running back and linebacker. Is there uh, anybody on the, the current offer list that you see is, is you know, maybe leaning heavily towards K-State? Yeah, I think Connor Max, Especially yeah, I think, Max, but anybody Yeah, else. I keep cutting and I apologize. The big name would be Daniel Carter. And I don't know if I don't, and you ask leaning K-State. I don't. I think he's leaning K-State. He's a four-star running back out of Florida that'll be in Manhattan this month. He'd be the biggest name um, that they're after. It would probably be a, a really key recruit. They have a junior college running back out of Cerritos, California, named, I'm going to pronounce it wrong because I always type <laughs> it, but I think it's pronounced Rahamdre Stevenson, R-H-A-M-O-N-D-R-E, 6'1", 230. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really like him. He'd be a big focus for him. I think the most likely next commit would be a kid named Connor Fox, who's a tight end out of San Antonio, I believe, that they really liked. They had him at camp and offered him right away. But running back, yeah, Brees Hall is committed to Iowa State. He's out of Wichita, but they're still recruiting him. Derek Young's going to Wichita this week to watch him play and talk to him. Justin Dinka out of Texas, another running back. So I know I'm rattling off a bunch of names, but I think, you know, Daniel Carter's the first back to watch, and then they probably need to go junior college too. So if they got Carter and Stevenson, even that's probably not enough. They probably need three backs, but um, those would be a, a great start at least. Who are they competing with for Carter? It, you know, it's really slowed down. It's funny. He was a, a four-star kid, or he still is, getting interest from all the Florida schools and that kind of stuff. Now it's, it's slowed down. I would think K-State – I don't know that I want to say that they're in the lead, but there's not another school that I would point to and say that's who they have to beat. Okay. Pittsburgh's a school that's been talked about a lot with him and is recruiting mm-hmm. them really hard. And I think there'll be more schools that show interest. But right now, K-State's as is, is likely as anybody. Okay, cool. And, uh, well, we've got you on here. and it's, it's not basketball season, but let's go ahead. And yeah. Switch to the, 
Of course, Montavious Murphy came in um, earlier this month. You know, what what does he add to to the roster? Versatility, you know, probably above all else. I, I think he was initially thought to be a to be a four. You know, he's a power forward, and that's probably his position. And in case they, you know, they're allowed to have him go through open gym with players when they're on campus, and they, he played a lot of three and handled the ball in the wing a lot, and and played really well there. And I, talking to Coach Lowry and such, you know, about about him, they were surprised at, at how well he played the three, and they think he can defend really any position on the floor. I mean, he's a three or a four, but. You know, if he gets switched onto a two, they're not going to panic and have to move that around. So I think he brings that. I mean, he's a good athlete. He has good size. He's a good defender. He shot the ball well at K-State. He didn't shoot the ball well in the AAU circuit. So I think that's a question. But it's not it's not a great comparison. But I think I, there's some similarities, you know, to a Jamar Samuels or a Wes Awandu between those two guys. Mm-hmm. Guys who, who didn't necessarily make big impacts as as freshmen played a little bit. I'm not saying he gets as good as either of those guys. Wesson Wundu was nearly a first-round draft pick, but I, I think there's some similarities there, and he really gives them a chance to go and recruit guys they want the most as opposed to saying, man, we don't have a three, so we need to sign this guy because they, they could play Murphy there, and I think that's the one of the best things he brings. And he had a good offer list. I think you know Texas A&M was the biggest school that really was after him as well as K-State, and they were thrilled. I mean, K-State was thrilled to get him. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys that seems like they really want is, is Mario McKinney. They've got that, that St. Louis pipeline um, from Vashon. So, is you know, you feel like there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be a Wildcat. Yeah, I, I do. I, I would, I'm, to this point, I'd probably be surprised if he if he wasn't. I spoke to his father today, and they're you know they're coming to visit this month. They're really really excited. I watched them play and hung around their family for a couple days when they camped in Manhattan, and their relationship with Chris Lowry is very very strong. Um, Chris Lowry's done great work in St. Louis. You know, McKinney's going to have other options. You know, he's dropped in the rankings. There was a time when he was, you know, a top 50, you know, elite recruit. And he's he's fallen some because, you know, the recruiting services like Rivals and then even some colleges look at him and say, well, he's 6'1". He's not really a point guard. He's not a great shooter. You know, so what is he? And I think K-State says, well, he's he's 6'1". He can, he can play both positions. He's a great athlete. He's a great defender. He attacks the basket. I think... I think they see him as a lot like Barry Brown coming out of high school. So I think it'd be a great fit for both schools, or I guess both sides. And I'd be surprised if it doesn't end up happening. How hard is uh, Mizzou going after him? I know they're trying to build up that St. Louis pipeline again, but they've sort of had issues with that in the past. I don't. To be quite to be quite blunt, I don't think they're after him really hard right now. They were at one point, and you know his brother played there, and and they they like him. But I, I don't know who they're. I don't know the names of who they're prioritizing above him. Oh, that's right. But so, yeah, I don't I think they're thinking, putting a huge press on him right now. I don't know, I, yeah, I was thinking Jimmy McKinney went to that same high school. I didn't even put together they were brothers. If that makes sense. I did. I, it's funny. I didn't either for the <laughs> longest time. And then somebody uh, maybe they're maybe they're cousins. I think I said brothers. Okay, but they're, they're cousins. I believe. Jimmy, Jimmy would be and pretty yeah, old. until somebody said it to me, I thought, huh, I had no idea. I mean, it, <laughs> so he definitely has a bit of a legacy with Missouri, but I just don't think there's a lot of conversation there right now. Jimmy McKinney, not necessarily. A Totally positive. <laughs> correct. You know, correct. Yeah. Some good things. Anyway, I guess just one thing um, philosophically on the recruiting, you know, and we've talked about this before. And, you know, obviously, it's it's really tough to recruit two true post players these days. But you know, why do you think K State has struggled with that so much? Yeah, and it's a good point. It's something they've. They, how do I say this politely? Though they've taken <laughs> on more more projects, you know, than guys who are immediate contributors and you've nailed it it's, it's probably just there's not a lot of them you know mm-hmm. I, I think 10 basketball as you guys know have changed so much in the last 10 or 15 years to where there's just not as many you know and those maybe there's only five or ten really elite high school posts coming out and you know the 
the Dukes and the Carolinas, and I'm not going to say the you know the team in Lawrence, you know, but you know those, <laughs> those schools are, are getting them fast. And you know, K State did well early on with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but just couldn't stay in the, in the battle for him. Um, there's been other bigs, that kind of stuff, but it's you know, kind of like defensive tackle in football in college basketball. I think it's the same, and the really elite ones are ending up at Duke or Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. I have to say I wasn't curious, but I think I saw you guys wrote that uh, Robbie. Moran, or I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but wants, yeah. he wants to be like the next Dean Wade. Like, we would take that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think that's absolutely what they're selling him on. And, and it's funny, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we thought he was a guy that K-State liked but wasn't prioritizing. And, and then we've come to learn the last you know, 10, 15 days. I mean, he's certainly a priority for them. A priority of the number five, but in years, of course. And he's in their top tier, and he's a guy that they would love to get the commitment of. He's 6'9". Listed as a small forward by rivals, and that's what he's kind of played in the AAU circuit. But he'd be a stretch four, and a lot of similarities. You know, you go you go watch his his video, and it's it's just highlights. You know, and it's different until you watch a whole game. But the Dean Wade stuff jumps out to you right away. Um, a very very skilled guy, and a good and a good athlete too. I mean, you know, kind of like Dean Wade, not a through the rim or through the roof, you know, athlete and that kind of stuff, but a really good athlete. And um, it'd be big shoes to fill, but I think that's what K State sees him potentially as being. Yeah. Well, I guess you know, before we let you go, I um, wanted to ask you, you're around Bill Snyder a lot. Uh, it seems like he's doing a lot better. He, he's pretty healthy. Uh, I left this quip yesterday about he's going to play quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just curious, you know, is there anything that, that sticks out to you? Any favorite quips of his this, this offseason? Oh, man. I liked, you know, and yesterday, too, he, he joked about, you know, Blake Lynch being nowhere near I five and we were kind of making fun of it. He said he was standing on a on a brick wall to be fine, and we thought it was funny, but also just you know with the choice of words, you know, not not a phone book, not a step ladder, but a brick wall. <laughs> that was really funny, and I was able to even to joke back with him when Coach Snyder yesterday said he's five five. I joked back and said, "Why do you lie about being five five? You know, at that size, <laughs> just say what you are." You know, yeah. I and mean, he laughed at that, and I think you've hit the nail on the head. He he seems totally different from who he was a year ago at this time, and. um for anybody you know who follows or loves Kansas State, they should be happy to see that. Just to see him in, in that in that manner in that mood, and I think it makes it a lot more fun coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All right. well, that's great news. We should probably be wrapping this up. But Matt, you know, thanks so much for joining us again. You know, people, I encourage you to to sign up to the free trial in case they don't online. And Matt, how can people follow you on Twitter? Oh shoot! It's at Matthew underscore D underscore Hall on Twitter, and I just want to say thanks again. It's, it's you guys. It's nice of you to mention the promo. It's nice of you to have us on and give work to you guys. Thanks a lot. JT. Right. Hey, take care. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. So yeah.